Coming home, a podcast with Lane Kennedy. You know what? Here we are again, another show, another episode. And I'm super excited, as always, always excited to bring you fantastic conversations. And today I have Hillary Jackendoff, the meditation chick, you guys, the meditation chick. Okay, if you're not excited about that, I want you to go look her up right now. And then you're going to get excited like I am. And the only reason that I'm excited is because she's somebody who's been doing this practice for a long time. <sighs> Hillary, welcome to the show. For having me. I lost you. Are you there? Oh, I am here. Can you hear oh, me? Yes. Okay. You Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to have you. Uh, I learned about you maybe about a year ago. And I was like, who's this girl? Oh, wow. She's all over the place. This is so cool. <laughs> and you're young. And I was like, wow, how is this possible? Well, awesome. I got started kind of young. Yeah. Yeah. So you're super lucky. I'm really lucky. I don't know how I would be a functioning um, adult in society without this practice. So... Um, yeah, I, I found it when I was 22 and wow. it was kind of on ever since then. So, and so, I, and I went all in. <laughs> okay. So let's go back to that time, right? You're 22 and, uh, let's see what's going on at 22s. I know for me, I was, um, well, I come from fashion industry and I was drinking and using and modeling and craziness for me, but what were you doing at 22 that brought you to this practice? Um, well, I, Graduated college, 21, obviously, and was traveling around New Zealand doing, mm. um, volunteering on organic farms with my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> and I actually really wanted to just like make a hard, fast exit out of that relationship. Um, and we were scheduled to go on a five-day hiking camping trip together, and I I kind of ditched him. It was a good move because we were about to break up and like going on a five day, five day hiking and camping with my husband would be excruciating. Yeah. Like five day hiking and camping with the partner who is not right for you. Really, really bad idea. So I bailed and went to an ashram and practiced yoga nidra for the first time there and had a really, really profound experience the first time that I did it that kind of effectively altered the trajectory of my life. Were you seeking at the time? Um, I mean, not to sound trite, but I think I've always been kind of a seeker. So like when I was a little kid, I had a, um, a prayer shrine in my room. That's what I called it. Like when I was like four. Mm -hmm. I had my collection of like Bibles and rosaries and I was raised Catholic and Jewish. Mm -hmm. So I like didn't really know what was happening spiritually or religiously, but I was just like, I like these things and I'm going to sit quietly with these things. Mm -hmm. um, so Isn't that was that interesting, right? Like the soul knows. The soul knows. The soul like, knows. Who I was yep. when I was a very small thing. And then I forgot for a while. And yep anxiety, chronic pain, all those normal things that bring people to things like yoga. Yeah. That was 
you know, my story. I started with Vinyasa Flow mm. and I hated it so, so much. Can we curse? Are we cursing? Oh yeah, you can. It's fine. Okay. I fucking hated it. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> I didn't know my left from my right side. I just always was catching up. I, it was, it was not fun. It was, it was a torturous experience, but um, then I found yin yoga and that's actually what led me to meditation um, and what kind of opened that doorway to being with what is. Right. Oh, so good. So when you laid your body down in that ashram, let's go back to that experience. Like how, okay. So you land in this ashram and they're like, okay, lay down. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, first there was like a two hour uh, Vedic fire ceremony. And I was like, uh-huh. what did I get into? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then we laid down. Um, but the, yeah, so laid down for this practice of, you know, meditation. And I, it, the guide, the teacher was a, a German sannyasin, a German swami um, named Marut Deva. And he just guided the most I mean, I, I have no idea what he, what he said. I'm sure he just guided a standard practice for beginners. Um, but I had never, I had been meditating for a while, mostly in the Buddhist tradition Mm -hmm. and the guidance that I was given in, um, like the Kadampa center sits that I was going to in Philadelphia, uh, really just wasn't, it wasn't enough for me to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Um, as a beginner with a lot of anxiety, with a very busy mind, as literally everyone has, everyone thinks they're unique and saying, I have such a busy mind. Like, yeah, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> We're all a mess. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, the guidance wasn't enough for me to kind of hold on to. And so I was just really sitting there, like just with a mess of mind happening. Um, and Yoga Nidra was the first experience where I completely moved beyond the thinking mind. And I didn't know that that was possible just as a human being in the, like, I didn't know that that was an option. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know until we know. Yeah. And then we're like, I got to have more I got to, I got to do that again. Totally. I would start chasing that, that dragon's tail effectively. And you're 22 years old. <laughs> oh yeah. You're so, it's, you're so lucky. So lucky. Oh my God. Okay. So let's fast forward <laughs> through your journey a little bit because that is, you've got how you're, let's see, what, 10, 13 years later, right? And you're talking about this practice and people don't know about it. People still don't know about yeah. this practice. I know. So did you go down the path of teaching people how to meditate sitting upright and uh, y- you know what I mean? Like, did you do other things? Um, so after that experience at the ashram in New Zealand, um, I ended up going to India and spending a few months there at the same traditions, ashrams, the Bihar school of yoga. Um, and in India, I, I just kind of realized that I needed to dive deeper. So I came back to New Jersey, Philadelphia, worked for a little bit and, and kind of saved my pennies and, and went to 
the Bihar School of Yoga's ashram in Australia mm -hmm. and decided to do their teacher training. So a two-year teacher training at the ashram in Australia began when I was 20, uh, five, 26, yeah. fresh out of a, a different, really bad relationship. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the first relationship wasn't bad. It just wasn't the right relationship. He's a great guy. Uh, the second one, that was, that was a different story. But, um, so yeah, I ended up at the ashram in Australia, not ended up, consciously chose to, to do this teacher training and lived there for two years. Um, and between the first and the second year, I actually went back to New Jersey and started teaching. And I actually did start teaching yoga nidra at a, two local studios mm. um, because people couldn't sit up. Yeah. Like, you know, now you're going into spaces and there's always a backjack, there's always options, there's chairs, like, because meditation is now more part of that dialogue. It's more part of what is being offered. Yep. Um, but then nobody could sit up. Mm -hmm. Nobody could find a comfortable seat on a block or mm -hmm. on a blanket. Like, it wasn't a thing. So I didn't really try. I was like, you know what? yoga nidra for all right now um <laughs> so that's been your focus the whole yeah. time is just so, yoga nidra you yeah i mean favored... I, I teach other practices yeah um i teach mantra i teach mm -hmm. other seated practices that are loosely based on teachings of my lineage yeah um but yoga nidra has been it yeah yeah like, i mean it's like when, once you know that it's like there's no going back i feel yeah. It's like there's, it's so unique and so transformative. It's so easy. And it's so easy. Right? So easy. That's, it's like, it's like the gateway. I mean, this is a, yeah. It's like the gateway to meditation. I didn't want to say yes. gateway drug, but like it, it like it is. brings you in, but I did. It <laughs> brings you in, <laughs> but it brings you into the meditative experience and it brings you into relationship with it. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. Now I understand yeah. what people have been doing for right. thousands of years and why. Right. Now I understand how this actually alleviates my suffering. Right. Okay. So you talked about something really great. You had this first moment at that ashram where you went without thought, where you just went into this zone, right? And there was nothing into that void, into that There was that no space. Hillary. There was no right. character of... Hillary body doing Hillary things. <laughs> right. So for our listeners, for the ladies who are listening, they're like, what is what, this? Are, you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Lane? What, wait a minute. Hillary help. Too weird. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's kind of break that down a little, a little bit for them. So they're not so intimidated by it. Maybe sure. like what's happening. So there are, as you know, and I'm sure you're going to dive into as you continue with your podcast, there are several different main traditions of yoga nidra, and they use kind of different access points um, to guide you to the same experience. Right. Um, one of the most, one of the best things about the Bihar school of yoga is yoga nidra is it is incredibly simple and systematic 
and guides you through. If you just listen to a yoga nidra and listen to what is being said, you'll be like, oh, whatever. She's just saying some stuff and sounds very normal. And how could this do these things? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> what's happening is over the course of the meditation, you are moving from effectively your from your you're moving through the layers of your being you're moving from the um the most gross layers of your being and i mean like gross as intangible mm-hmm. to the most subtle mm-hmm. and it takes you through this progression in such a skillful way and in such an easy way mm-hmm. all you do is listen and you just simply follow along mm-hmm. um And in the very worst case scenario, like at its very lowest level, you will emerge from the practice feeling relaxed and refreshed. Worst case. Right. That's worst case. (laughs) That is the the bare minimum of what you will receive. You will be like, wow, that was really nice. Yeah, it's really nice. I, I talk about this all the time. Like, it's so great, you guys. Got to get it. Get on it. Uh, so we're talking about the five bodies. We're talking about these five layers, these five layers. And the way that Hillary was talking about the subtlety of them, right? And there's a, a methodology, so to speak. Totally. And I want to get into teachers, Okay. Because there's, um, I don't want to say this for lack of a better word. There are some that really follow that structure, that really follow that methodology. I love that methodology because mm-hmm. I sync up to it. Yep. It right? works. It works. It works. It's worked for thousands of years. Like, yep. why am I going to mess with that? And one of the, my favorite <laughs> parts is the rotation of consciousness. Like, that puts me into, I don't even know. I, that's, I'm gone at that place. And so for somebody who's new and they're like, okay, again, what are they talking about? Um, from your perspective, I would love for you to share what that is, the rotation of consciousness. Sure. So um, there are a lot of different elements to the practice and it is termed it's said to be a tantric yogic practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are different elements of it that are associated with tantra, um, visualizations um, being one of them, uh, accessing states of consciousness that are beyond the normal sensory realms is another kind of hallmark of tantric practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And another element of of tantric practice is this um is this practice called nyasa n-y-a-s-a and basically nyasa was um moving attention through different body parts and placing a crazy complicated mantra at each body part Mm. and the rotation of awareness is effectively a body scan but it's different traditions do it in different ways. Some use um, kind of inner points of awareness called Marma points, uh, the 61 points that's used in the Amrit method and in the Himalayan master's method, um, 
the Bihar school uses kind of more the outer body. So like you're working like with the thumb than the index finger. So it's taking you through more of your physical form, which is easier to connect to than the inner energetic junctures of, of awareness. Um, so, and as you're moving through one of the typical ways that it's guided, there's a lot of different ways you can guide it, but one of the typical ways that it's guided is you feel into each part and then you mentally speak the name of the part. Mm -hmm. And with the practice of nyasa, where you're placing a mantra on the part, that, that mental repetition of the name of the part serves that same function, but in a more accessible way. Mm -hmm. So it moves you beyond your thinking mind. Because, you know, with the practice of mantra, when we are um, chanting or mentally repeating a mantra, simply by virtue of the fact that we are saying something consciously over and over, our mind can't do its thing. So you're moving your attention from your thinking mind in that way into a more subtle element of the mind and you're shifting into feeling. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. Okay, ladies. <laughs> Here we are. We're totally stressed I, I, out. I get a little bit excited and when I talk about these things. So I, no, I love this. I can slow it down. I'm going deep. So it's so juicy. It's like, okay, I just think about, you know, as women, we're on the go, right? We're driving on the 405, we're on the five, we're on the, we're, uh, wherever we're at in the world, right? Running to the airport, getting the kids. We are so in our head, think, 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 yep. think, thinking. Yep. And what we're this not, practice we're does. We're not even in our body. Right. We're, we're not just, even in our body. We're just going, we're out. Yep. <laughs> and and this, this part of the practice, this just one element of the practice, yep. right? takes us away from that thinking mind. Hello. It's so hard to stay in the thinking mind in yoga nidra. Yes. You have to be just super over caffeinated to be yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like I cannot do it. I cannot stay. It, it's, it's not possible for me. And I'm super type a tightly wound high beta brain all the time. And as yep. soon as that rotation comes on, boom, on. Yep. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, that's like kind of where the practice starts. Yeah. Like that's where it begins really. Yeah. Right. And, it's, and in the Bihar school, one of the kind of like phrases that you commonly hear thrown around is like this practice releases the physical, emotional, and mental tensions. Mm -hmm. And the physical tensions are, are really dropping away with that with that body rotation, mm -hmm. with that ro rotation of consciousness. Your body is just straight up melting in yeah. a good way, not in like a, not in like a <laughs> dangerous way. <laughs> just melting, just slowly softening. <laughs> so but good. But that's what it does, yeah. you know? It, it, that's how that physical relaxation component of the practice is beginning and again, like I said before, that's the worst case is you're going to stay in that realm of physical relaxation and come out being like, that was a nice time. <laughs> that was you great. Know? That was great. Uh, do you practice every day? I practice, I would say almost every day. Um, I also teach almost every day. Yeah. So, um, you know, I want to be clear that teaching the practice is not the same thing as practicing the practice. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does serve to really 
keep me regulated on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis. Like my nervous system is balanced, not only through the practice, but also through teaching the practice. Yeah. Um, I would say I practice probably on average, like four to six, four, like four to six times a week, I would say. Do you, um, do you have a special place that you practice? Uh, we are in it and I, yeah. I show it to you, but I've been recording and yeah. well, I can show it to you. You can't show it to your listeners, but, um, I've been, nice. this is my yoga room and yeah. I have it filled with pillows because I've been trying to minimize the sound. So yes, I practice in my little special room. Yeah. I feel very happy and grateful to have a room in my house where my husband and I practice and yeah. And you yeah. practice with your partner? Not always because he snores a okay. lot in yoga nidra. Okay. And while I respect the quality of his experience, yeah. You know, I'd rather do it alone. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's it's like a selfish <laughs> practice, honestly. Like it's like I need this. Me too. It is my medicine, 100%. He'll like send me to the yoga room. He's like, you need to go to a yoga nidra now. Oh, man, that's good. Uh, Do you like the 30 minutes? Do you, are you like, are you like a short nidra? Are you like a 30 minute, 40 minute? Are you in for two hours? Like sometimes I'm like, I, like now my practice is I'm maybe at an hour and a half, two hours. Where are you on the scale? I would say, um, it just depends on how much time I have. Yeah. Uh, you know, I am a self-employed yep. entrepreneur in wellness in Los Angeles right. paying mortgage. Right. So, you know, I, uh, I do as much as I can. Yeah. Um, and at different times in my life, I'm sure the practice will serve me in ways I can't even imagine now. Right. right. Um, it does support you in ways that you don't even know. It's it is really wild. It's crazy. I call it sometimes like, do you know what adaptogens are? Yeah. Yeah. How they kind of like meet you where you are. And some people are like, wow, ashwagandha gave me so much energy. And others are like, ashwagandha really calmed me down. Yep. Um, it, <laughs> I, I talk about yoga nidra in that same context, like that it's an adaptogenic meditation where it, you know, sometimes people will practice and they will be enlivened and just yeah. like, invigorated and they're like I can't wait to go and face the day and yeah. go do all of my to-do list and wow I've never had so much energy mm -hmm. I have writers that come to my my group classes sometimes and um they're like after your class I go home and I write all night and I'm like well oh, okay that's not sleep is important um but then I have other people who come and they're like, I'm so tired. I'm like, well, yeah. what that actually might be is you're not familiar with what it feels like to be deeply relaxed. And you're mistaking the feeling of actual physiological relaxation for tiredness. That's exactly what happened to one of my students Friday where she was like, last week I felt great. And this week I'm so tired. And I was like, I don't think so. I think you're deeply relaxed. Yeah. She's like, oh, maybe you're right. And I'm like, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm right. But yeah. Every time is different. Every time is different. Time and it just different. shows you, it gives you information about mm -hmm. who you are and 
how you are on a day-to-day basis. Yes. I totally agree with that. I can't say that enough. Uh, So over these years, you've been practicing and sharing this with hundreds and thousands of people at this point. What have you seen one example of just a profound result? Yeah, I know. Me too. But I want to hear yours. I mean, I'm not going to speak too much to it because I, you know, I want to respect my students. Yeah, don't say that, that. Just like general, like benefits like what what's been so profound i have had so a student and who's now a close friend so i can talk about this fairly freely um she actually hated the practice hated it um and is you know like sometimes there are yogis or people from like kind of a yogic background who are like I have resistance to this and therefore I, it must be important for me. And I don't necessarily agree with that a hundred percent. Like I think that sometimes, no, like not everything is for you, Mm -hmm. but she intuitively felt that she had to move towards this Mm -hmm. resistance. And she actually took my yoga nidra teacher training Mm -hmm. and now, and she would have like borderline panic attacks during the practice. Wow. Um, and recognitions that she couldn't feel huge parts of her body that had experienced trauma in a recent car accident um, yeah. and was just fully disconnected and in, in a lot of pain in the practice. Like it highlighted mm-hmm. uh, discomfort. Mm-hmm. And she realized that what was actually happening was she was holding on and she was afraid to let go and she was afraid to release control and surrender. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the notion of releasing control, just the very word surrender mm-hmm. is, is a really charged word, especially as a woman. Yeah. Like it's, a, that's a lot. Yeah. And she ended up exploring new positions that felt safer for her and more more comfortable um and supportive and ended up coming into an incredibly profound and deep relationship with the practice and now teaches it regularly in los angeles works with people privately and it is her she has shifted um into such a depth of relationship with it where it's pretty much all she wants to teach because she's like, this is actually what everyone needs. Yes. And then another student more recently in another teacher training um, that I'm running now, she had nerve damage in, in a part of her body and she wasn't able to feel sensations there. And during the body rotation, she started feeling sensations again. What? She started feeling sensations in parts of her body where there was nerve damage and she hadn't felt anything mm-hmm. in like, a, I think it was a decade. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful. Such, it's such a powerful practice. Yeah. That's just like, I could yeah. go on. Like, yeah, it is- I know. That's it. There's so many stories like, <laughs> on how this... And, practice heals people from the inside out and for women in particular, right? Like I'm just like, effortlessly. that's yeah. like, 
that's the crazy there's no drugs required here no drugs required yeah no trying Mm -mm. like it is you know Jana, who who you studied with and is a, a good friend of mine, I love the way she speaks about it, um, calling it a deeply feminine practice. Yes. And as opposed to, you know, a seated practice where you're really trying to focus and you're really oh. trying to build that one-pointed kind of masculine concentration. Yeah, no. And it is, it exists in harmony with that, but it is so needed for women to learn how to step into that space of complete release and non-doing. And there's no such thing as being good at yoga nidra. No, I know. Like, it's not possible to be bad at it. Like, you are good at it if you try it. (laughs) Yeah, just try and you're gonna get a gold star. Like, that's it. As long as you enter into relationship with it, with the understanding that every time you practice is different. Right. And, you know, some days you might be able to completely transcend the body, the mind, and other days you might be really just having a very present, aware practice where you're like, it's good for me to lie down. (laughs) This is, this is it. This is it. Yeah. So, <laughs> where do I want to go? I want to find out one more thing. Go for it. You're working with it. somebody brand new, like they're okay. just coming to you, right? What do you recommend to them? In like how I kind of guide them into yoga nidra? Yeah. Mean? Yeah. Um, well... <sighs> I would say I vary it depending on the person. Like I have been talking about this with all ranges of folk for a long time now. Um, So I really try to meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, For a lot of people, it's the um, relationship to sleep. Yeah. Because most adults are not getting seven to nine hours of sleep a night. And You know, there are, there's a small subsect of the population that doesn't need that much. Right. Chances are, very small. Chances are you're not one of them. (laughs) Like, and that's usually a really good entry point because Mm -hmm. it's not a sleep substitute, but it is a sleep supplement. Yeah. And it helps you learn, um, how to access that deeply restful space that will allow you to sleep more deeply. Um, You know? Yeah. And it it helps you learn to prioritize rest Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, that is like its lowest, lowest application, but it is a hugely impactful one. Like for people to just realize how good it feels to take a beat and that it can be a pleasure to meditate. Yeah, this practice completely changed my sleep. Yeah, like, yeah. It just it completely changes the way that I go to yeah. bed. It completely yeah. changes yeah. the way that I wake up in the morning. It can it changed how many hours of actual restful sleep. Totally. Right? It, it changed the way that my brain operates during the night. 
um, because I'm a biohacker. I've been a biohacker for 20 years. So I have like crazy logs. I want to interview you. I don't have a podcast. So I want to know. <laughs> so, I just want to know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nuts. So I'm super into uh, measuring things. Okay. So having that kind of data and, and looking at how my sleep transform, like m- just to the second, like yep. crazy. So yeah, if you're having issues with sleep, uh, you know, this is a great practice to just kind of jump into, uh, Hillary, where are people going to find you? Where do you want them to go? Well, my website gives kind of like an idea as to, um, my background and gives you an idea about, um, my, my group class schedule in Los Angeles gives you kind of a broad based overview of the things that I offer. Um, but my Instagram is where I'm kind of posting stuff that like what I'm doing, um, trainings, events, and I'm, I'm, you know, websites are hard. Yeah, they Uh, are. (laughs) It's complicated. Go to Instagram, you guys. Instagram Mm -hmm. and it's meditation chick is my website. C H I C K for chick, not chic. I'm (laughs) definitely not that. Um, So meditationchick.com, at meditationchick on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And then I have quite a few practices and more coming soon on Insight Timer. Yeah. Um, Insight Timer is amazing. Oh my God. Yeah, you guys, you know that. I've talked about Insight Timer before. It's like free it's the best. There's, it's such a lovely community. Jump onto Insight Timer and grab Hillary there and go say hi to her over on Instagram. Yeah. Say hi. Feel free to DM me if you have any questions or email me if you're not an Instagram person. If you're not an Instagram person, you're, you're, you're kind of lucky. Yeah. I'm just not that great at tech. Um, but feel free to email me or DM me. Um, I would love to connect and, and offer service or answer questions in whatever way I can. So good. Thank you, Hillary, for being on the show with me today. It's been a joy. Having me, Lane. Yes. May you bring something light, something bright to your day and find something that fills you up so you may be the best you can be. Thank you for being here with my friend. Until next time, take good care. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for listening. Make sure to grab that free yoga nidra practice over at lanekennedy.com forward slash free YN practice. Okay. Take good care.